from coast to coast to coast. You're listening, you're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Tara and Tara. Have you ever thought about the connection between the dank memes you consume and the process of decolonization? Or how about the power of a meme to restructure or recreate the reality that we know? For this week's episode, I got to sit down with Nigel Henry Robinson to discuss his own meme practice and the deeper context behind memes that slap. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Nigel Henry Robinson. I'm from a place called Cold Lake First Nations here in northeastern Alberta. It's a tar sands impacted community, and I am Dene Suthlane. Um Yeah, I, I have uh, done a lot of work in the past few years around specifically community organizing, and um, over the past couple of years, it has really intersected with climate justice, and um, because of that, I've um, as of as of January, I've started working with Indigenous Climate Action um, under the role of uh, Youth Engagement Lead because I've spent um, many years doing um, youth work and youth engagement type work as well. Before we get into the grid of it, we should probably sort something out. What is a meme? And where did they come from? The word was first used by Richard Dawkins, who was an evolutionary biologist and who used the word to describe the growth and evolution of human culture in a way which related it to the already existing concept and word gene. Although this was uh, used similar to how we see memes today, it was not actually used again in the public sphere until 1994 in an op-ed by Mike Goodwin in Wired. Um, I think the basic premise of the meme is that there is a um, there's a there's a template and there's like a very specific kind of way that the template can be looked at and then it's either like um, it's either created to mean something different or to look at it in a different way um, but a meme at its most base at its most base is um, imagery and then either wording or lettering or additional imagery to change the meaning of the original image. Um, and it could be from movies, it could be from TV shows, cartoons, um, from, from uh, political events, all kinds of different things. But as long as you take a uh, one idea and you kind of twist it and you turn it and you, and you weaponize it into a different idea, um, then it becomes a meme. So going off these different understandings of memes, we can start to see a large part of modern media and the subjects that we consume as memes, due to a significant portion of popular culture revolving around these themes of irony, satire, and thus the practice of subverting and recreating imagery. While the term has grown in popularity over time, humans have been practicing satire and the subversion of subject to have new meanings for a very long time. While many of us would consider ourselves to be consumers of memes, fewer can say that they are actively creating these cultural phenomena and are also likely unfamiliar with the process which goes into making them. I asked Nigel how they got into creating memes in the first place. 
the like two of the um originators of like meme of indigenous memeing were definitely like decolonial meme queens as well as Arnell Tailfeathers. Um and Ar- Arnell has gone quiet in the past uh, five-ish months, but uh, previous to that he had a incredible amount of output um sometimes putting out like 10 memes a day um and yeah just witnessing what they were doing and then just playing with uh, a few different apps on my phone um like even just like the screenshot app um the messenger app um messages and snapchat um you can really do a lot of interesting stuff visually with your imagery and uh, and your messaging so that's um that's really kind of where things got started, and I th- I'd say that I've, my, I I made my first meme like, um, like early, like like late twenty eighteen, um, so I've been memeing for a couple years now, but yeah, it's uh, memeing really took off, and like there's so many memers now, and there's like uh, collectives of memers, um, even decolonial meme queens uh, is like a collective of, um, of different memers who are contributing to um, create what they have created. And now there's a uh, such a huge following for indigenous memes that it's um, it's, it's pretty wild to have, to have witnessed. And it's it's uh, kind of been like a um, there's an aspect to it that has made memes like a kind of underground method of um, getting getting uh, uh, messages out. And like ideas, um, and I think that's something that's really exciting about it. It um, it's almost reminiscent sometimes to the like the uh, the newsletters that would be put out in the '70s and '80s that like the Black Panthers or um, the Youth Red Power Movement or American Indian Movement would put out to uh, really get messaging out there and like start to really try to tailor and cater the um, the the different thoughts around um, resistance and liberation. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, memes, memes started out with, like really started out with just being humor and then a number of memers started to, um, elevate themselves to a point where they just wanted to talk about really, uh, like memes that were really about like liberation and, um, sharing of ideas and resistance. Um, and yeah, that group of memers has, has, uh, really kind of crafted an incredible, part of of indigenous memeing today that um, is very exciting um and it's really centered in like injustice and that's uh, something that's really cool to me nigel touches on something really important here and something that we are going to touch on later into this episode And that is the connection between this grassroots and relatively accessible medium of communication and to the introduction of new ideas or alternative ways of viewing subjects. These memes can be possibly, as we'll touch on later, paradigm shifting. it's like a um and like if it's a if it's a really potent meme that connects with people right away and they have a uh, really clear understanding 
of what the meme means within that five seconds, the memer has really done their job and expressed a very complex idea um, in a, you know, in a very simple formulaic setup. What Nigel touches on, and which can be seen in the vast amounts of niche meme groups which exist online, is the accessibility of memes and the power they have when introducing new ideas to quote-unquote meme communities. One particular meme that Nigel is well known for is a series of memes which feature a Snorlax, and I'll let him explain. There's a lot of really fabulous memers who are kind of just becoming like thought leaders with uh, with the content that they produce and the tireless uh, work that is like put into creating these memes. Um, Ijotakak is a um, a Inuit memer who is doing some really fabulous stuff. Uh, specifically, this is a memer who really popularized utilizing Pokemon imagery for indigenous memes and. Um, really inspired me to start my series of like Snorlax memes. In the 90s, Snorlax is a Pokemon who is a part of a series of video games called Pokemon. And uh, there was Pokemon Yellow, Blue, and Red, the initial series that was put out. And there's a part in the game where you come across a Pokemon who is blocking your path. And that's what it says. A wild Pokemon is blocking your path. And you have to go and you have to um, get a flute in order to wake it up to move it. Um, and a huge part of indigenous resistance going back, you know, 40, 50 years has been uh, blockades, uh, unarmed and armed blockades. That is a protection of your land and your territory and your water. Um, and so there was a time when... Um, I, you know, I was thinking about this Pokemon meme that Ijotakak put out uh, with specifically Decolonial Bulbasaur. And I was looking around at different Pokemon that I can uh, riff off of and, and make something out of. And then I thought about Snorlax um, because even in the TV show, there was a part where Snorlax blocked a river from running into a, um, into a, into a town and was starving that town out, which is like... Uh, you know, just for like a sleeping Pokemon, it's like a radical method of warfare. Um, so yeah, one of the images that came up was this image that ha had a a Snorlax laying in front of a port, and um, there was a bunch of water around the Snorlax. And so I went into um, I'll go into a bit of the method too. I went into a a pixel art um, like generator for lettering on Google and I just popped in water is life, no more tankers. I threw it onto the image and it changed it from um, what it originally was to this Pokemon is now standing in solidarity with, uh, you know, the, the water Pokemon who exist in this water. And I threw on the caption, remember that one time Snorlax roadblocked the port for a week single-handedly? Because uh, this Pokemon is a huge Pokemon. And, um, you know, sometimes it like... People are really commended for um, putting on actions by themselves. So um, this was like just a method of really saying that uh, that like you know that 
now this whole entire brand of Pokemon is standing in solidarity with these different communities who are being affected. Um, and tankers are a huge issue on the West Coast. So it was a, it was a meme that slapped. And I, and like I started captioning these different Snorlax memes. Um, and one that ended up becoming pretty popular um, was one that had Snorlax sitting in the forest, like just laying, and there was a bunch of cut logs around Snorlax. And it said, um, I captioned it, when all the trees in her forest were gone, Snorlax laid down and decided to sleep in the path of logging trucks until the trees came back. And um, I submitted this meme to APERG, and they ended up taking that caption and like just showing the caption on the front of the cover uh, like it was poetry. <laughs> I was like, okay, this that's wild. This is... Uh, this is a Pokemon meme caption. This isn't poetry. But I appreciate it. I think that it's very inspiring for people to um, think about how they can personally make a difference in their own communities. And I really believe that nonviolent direct action um, really sh- really does make a difference when it comes to hurting, um, like hurting the economic uh, monster that creates, uh, that creates these reasons to destroy forests and land and water. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's at the center of what the Snorlax memes are all about. And yeah, I definitely think that, um, it's a, it's a very important idea for the movement and, uh, like for the greater meme One particular meme that drastically changed the way that I view or understand the ongoing fight for Indigenous rights is the concept and meme known as Land Back. Yeah, Land Back was a meme that came out last year that um, the original meme wasn't even that popular. But the uh, the remixing and the changing up of the meme uh, made it so big. And it was originally based off of the meme um, from the TV show Hannibal Burris made um, alongside Eric Andre on the Eric Andre show. And Hannibal Burris had a line in the TV show that was just like, whack. When he didn't like something, he'd say whack. Um, and then the artist who had changed it, he had um, – or they had um, – they had seen Whack, and they had thought to themselves, um, how can this be subverted? And it end, ended up becoming Land Back. Um, and the original meme, it didn't, like, it didn't, you know, it wasn't hugely popular. But then they took this idea and changed it up um, a whole bunch of different ways. And uh, then once that artist, um, like, series of Land Back memes started to become pick, picked up, all kinds of different memes pick, uh, picked up on it and started making their own land back memes. And um, once the memers really like uh, set fire to this idea, um, a lot of people started to think really critically about what land back actually means when it comes to um, like in practice. And there was a gr- there's a group called the Yellowhead Institute that actually put out a report on land back. And um, the the basic premise of indigenous stewardship over our own lands and territories has been around for an extremely long time. So that was a that was a 
climate solution that was able to easily tack itself onto the land back campaign. Um, and one of the most exciting things about the land back campaign is that it it started with Indigenous young people and it was popularized by Indigenous young people um, just on the internet as like a social media campaign. And uh, now it's being taken very seriously. Um, and it's become, you know, just another part of the Indigenous rights and climate justice movement. Um, and it's a very important moment we are having right now. Um, across All across North America, we're seeing uh, land back being put in beside like Wet'suwet'en Strong or uh, All Eyes on Wet'suwet'en, hashtag land back. Um, so it's a critical part of the language of the movement now. Um, I've heard some people from Wet'suwet'en say that uh, some of the older folks, they say that we we, we still have our land. But, um, you know, the idea of land back is larger than one community um, having its land. The the rising of all of these different communities to stand with Wet'suwet'en is to also deal with issues in their own communities. Um, and one of the big issues is land back. Um, like 90-some percent of... Uh, Canada is crown land, and Indigenous folks exist on 0.2% of that land. So the um, the idea of land back is very possible. <laughs> it's extremely, extremely possible. And we're in a moment now where Indigenous folks are rising up and demanding justice, demanding um, power to be shifted back into the hands of our communities. Um, and that's a huge part of what this movement is about, and that's what uh, Land Back has come to mean. So it's a very accessible and very inspiring idea. Like Nigel touches on, Indigenous people have been caretakers of the land that we live on now for time immemorial. So the idea of land back is not a new idea in any way, but there is a specific kind of energy that this meme and concept carries that so deeply changed the way that I, as a settler, thought about the indigenous rights movement. In how it is very succinct and blunt, it carries with it an imagined future that is somehow both incredibly specific in its demands and very broad in the way that it sees the future of what we now call Canada. I know that this meme has so deeply changed my idea of what decolonization looks like, and I imagine that it has and will do the same for many people in the future. Yeah, there has been a lot of very critical looks at kind of like, um, I guess they'd say politically correct humor. And um, I think there, to some point it's uh, like there, to some point that that uh, that critical lens on it is justified. And to some it's <coughs> um, it's like a really a step back. Um, the essential thing to remember in comedy is you're taking a. You're taking life and you're reframing it into a positive light. And I don't really think that um, kicking down um, or punching down is uh, – that's, that's, the, that's the commonly used comedy term for like uh, – for 
like making a joke about or or at someone. Uh, like if you're making fun of like, you know, people who are already having a hard time, um, that's considered kicking down or, and and then kicking up would be like making fun of the, uh, making fun of the the elite class, um, and that's kind of where I've always enjoyed um, writing humor from, unless it's self-deprecatory. If it's self-deprecatory, I don't mind. I don't mind like making fun of myself. Um, but yeah, I think one thing that the, like these people who are like spreading progressive ideas through humor, uh, are doing right is really, um, honoring the comedy tradition of like making fun of those who are (laughs) the so-called elite and the, uh, the so-called people who are, uh, who are running and ruling things. Um, that's a really critical thing. I think the Beaverton has done it really nicely. Um, Walking Eagle News does it well. And, yeah, groups like that that uh, that really push comedy in that direction, I think they're doing well. Um, and I'd also like to say that I, I really think that some of the work of Indigenous humorists and uh, comedians is sometimes mischaracterized as being um, very left-leaning comedy when a lot of the... Um, political spectrum doesn't actually uh, uplift or um, work towards the liberation of indigenous voices. Um, so for myself, like I don't vote. I'm not a part of any kind of uh, um, political political um, body, and you know I don't really believe that the uh, the the like the voting of any particular settler government is going to help my community much much greater than um, it already is attempting to uh, and failing at. So I wouldn't consider myself like a, uh, a left-leaning person um, or a right-leaning person. Um, I definitely, like, in, like uh, outside, of, outside of writing memes, I do a lot of movement work. And uh, within the movement, um, I experience a lot of violence from the far right. Um, so that's my, that's basically my only, uh, my only interaction. Um, but then like a lot of left leaning people consider themselves allies and I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like a lot of indigenous humorists and comedians, um, a lot of us likely don't identify on that kind of political spectrum. Um, mostly because of the, the political history of the nation state of Canada. Um, but yeah, there is definitely a lot of great work being done right now in humor and uh, specifically by indigenous folks. And I'm really hoping that more of these, uh, more of these people who are writing memes, they're able to like get on writing TV shows and get on uh, doing stand up comedy. Because there's, um, there's a, there's always there's such a stagnation in in um, the other realms of comedy, and it takes a very long time to um, see like these kind of new like new waves of humor to really become popular in the mainstream. Um, and even if like even if some of these these humorists aren't uh, you know they're not like making a living or anything, it'd be really fabulous to see more comedians and uh, more people trying to like write TV and sketch comedy and, and movies that, um, 
you know, are kind of just like really about centering uh, the community and um, fighting oppression and uh, reaching for liberation. Uh, it's very inspiring to see humor like that um, because a lot of like a lot of the people who are indigenous who are writing humor are coming from very hard places um, and have seen really, really hard things in their lives. Uh, and so, you know, it's very inspiring to me to see people like that utilizing humor to reframe um, the many hard parts of their life. So I really, uh, I really encourage anyone who is um, indigenous person who is memeing, uh, mostly because it's accessible, to try other meetings, mediums of humor. Memeing is a lot of fun. It's really good to get into. A lot of people will start with just sharing memes they like, and that's fine. But then, like, I would highly recommend you just take a screenshot of uh, a meme template you may like, uh, white out the wording, and then change it up, and maybe like add in a prop or um, do a do a clip art on your on your. Uh, I don't know what you're using, but if you're using a Snapchat, there's a clip art function where you can clip out a uh, like a I don't know like a hand or a head or whatever it is and you could totally change up the meaning of your meme um, and also do that just to send over to your friends if you want to make a personal joke for your friend uh, that's great practice but yet yeah, like if you have if you see any mainstream memes that are like yeah that would be great as this um, I would highly suggest you go ahead and make that meme maybe start up a different account from your personal account on Instagram um, to post it to but yeah, definitely like, definitely like, try to put it together and get it out there. Um, memes are really, really accessible, and it's one of the great ways to um, get into the process of just rethinking about things when uh, th rethinking about imagery and rethinking wording, and turning it into different, um, you know, different concept and pushing it out as your own unique form of humor. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, oftentimes people who will go through things or will see things will make a lot of memes about it because they lived a very uh, wild experience. Like whenever I see um, a lot of memers who are indigenous, they do a lot of land defense work, which a lot of people don't know. But um, whenever these folks, like, they go out and they um, – you know, they hold an action or they get arrested or whatever, there's often a, a huge, like, splurge of creativity that results in that. And you'll see someone put out, like, I don't know, five or f six memes in a day and make make memes all week. Um, and it's a great way of just, like, getting your creative juices flowing and letting th letting some things go. You're not just doing that with... Uh, with just like your storytelling, you're kind of doing that for yourself as well. The way you look back and laugh at these hard times that you've been through, um, it's a very healthy thing to do. If you, if you even like just go on to um, Instagram and pop in me meme templates, that's a great place to start just to, just to practice, just to kick it off. Uh, and I highly suggest you do that. And if you do tag me at Nazu Nigel, I'll reshare your stuff and, um, yeah, it'd be great to just see some of your work and also just like riffing off of 
other people's ideas is a good thing to do and then tagging them and then they might reshare and uh, help bump you up and to also um i i i highly suggest a, a lot of um like decolonial meme queens is always going to be a really important memer you could follow myself at nazu nigel and uh nako cookum is a great like resistance and movement memer the band office is another really radical memer there's a lot of great ones Lots of great ones. But I would definitely suggest if you want to learn more about Landback, you start with the origins with the memes. Um, and if you follow any of these different memers, they're always shouting each other out and uh, hyping each other up. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely get in and uh, just like start really kind of diving into the work of the memers. Well, that's all the time we've had for this week's episode. As always, this episode of Terra Informa has been created and made on Treaty 6 territory at the University of Alberta. The University of Alberta sits on unlawfully surrendered territory of the Papachase Cree. By acknowledging this, and talking about topics like we've talked about today on the episode, we hope that we can start a deeper and stronger conversation around decolonization in the spaces that we live and work in today, and what that looks like for everybody living on this land. Thank you to Terran former Skylar Lippman for aiding in the research of this episode, Lucas Burroughs for some original tunes, and Poddington Bear for the rest of the music. Terraforma is entirely volunteer run, and we survive because of generous donations to our host studio, CJSR 88.5 FM. If you like what you heard today, have a comment or a question, check out our website at terrainforma.ca, tweet us at terrainforma, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for a special annual episode of Terra Informa. Terra Informa.